You can open your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 2. We continue our verse-by-verse study of this book this morning, looking at verses 5 through 8. Philippians chapter 2. Last week we looked at the first four verses of this chapter. In that we saw three responsibilities. Our responsibility to um, be living harmoniously with one another, humbly with one another, and helpfully. Uh, as we look at verses 5 through 8, we see that theme continue, and it continues now with a strong emphasis on the example of Christ. <clears throat> I read a true story of a young preacher came to his church much more bold than me. I don't, I don't think I could do this, especially not in my first church. Uh, but he came to church and he preached what he thought was going to be what church needed. So he preached the first sermon, and sure enough, he had people come up afterwards, and he said to him, Preacher, that was exactly what we needed to hear. He said, Awesome. Knocked it out of the park. You know, it's, it's what I was going for. Next week, he preaches the exact same sermon again. Congregation kind of sat there and said, I think we've heard this. You know, that's a lot like last week. And he was thinking, you know, it's exactly what they need to hear. I'm not sure they've heard it. Preached it again. Third week, he preaches the exact same sermon again. Now people kind of, uh, that was okay twice, but look, you're, you're stretching it. Um, and so they called the elders together, and the elders said, we need to have a meeting. And uh, we thought we had the right preacher, but three times in a row, the same sermon, you know, not sure what we need to do here. So the elders met, and they confronted him about it and said, you know, you, it was a great sermon. You preached it now three times, and you've done great all three times. What's up? What's going on? He said, well, I just thought, because I had so many people from the church tell me it was exactly what the church needed to hear, that it was the right sermon. And they said, yeah, it was. He says, well, then I watched carefully all week long to see if the congregation changed, if the congregation lived what I preached. And I couldn't see any noticeable difference. So I preached it again. And then I watched again. And I saw no noticeable difference. And so I preached it again. And still, no noticeable difference. So my question to you elders, should I preach it a fourth time? Here's the point. Because when I, you search through the scriptures, the Apostle Paul says on numerous occasions, he says, it is no trouble for me to say this again. In other words, I'm going to preach to you the same sermon again. And the Apostle Paul does it. Those of you who have read through your Bibles, you know there are things God says over and over and over. It's not a sin to preach the Word of God over and over again. Here's the question. Is it permissible? Is it allowable for us, after receiving correction from the Word of God, to live the same life again? And again. That kind of hurts, doesn't it? It's kind of like, oh, I should be growing up into Christ. I should be different 
week after week. The Word of God is presented to bring to me some measure of correction that conforms me to the image of Christ. And there should be some noticeable difference. Maybe the preacher can't see it, but can my spouse see it? Can my kids see it? Can my parents see it? Can my co-workers see that I am in Christ, becoming more and more like Christ? And the means of grace applied to me in church produce that fruit. So as I looked at Philippians 2, I began thinking, you know, it's, it's important for us to be harmonious, humble, and helpful. We saw that last week. And a number of you said, hey, that was really what we need. And then the next, I look at the next verse. Let me read it to you, beginning at verse 5. Have this mind among you, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He lived harmoniously. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself. There's the humbly part of his life. Humbled himself by becoming obedient. There's this, begin to see the obedience to help. The obedience to the point of death, even death on a cross. So have this mind in yourself. Have this same example. Have this sameness. You were exhorted to be harmonious, humble, and helpful. And then he says, I want you to know something. Christ was harmonious, humble, and helpful. I want you to be like Christ. I don't want you just to follow principles. I don't want you just to do what I've told you to do. I want you to do it because Christ did it. I want people to see that's like Christ. That's like Jesus. And as we look at this text this morning, I'm only going to deal with one of those. I just want us to look at being harmonious. The more I looked at it, it's like, I don't know that i got time to do humble and helpful. I want us just to think about being harmonious as Christ was harmonious. Um, so here's the message again and again. Now the emphasis is on Christ. Have this attitude in you. This same mind is an attitude. Some of your translations even translate it that way. Do we have this attitude? The harmonious attitude of Christ between Him and God the Father that's uh, being spoken about here. Is it expected of us that we're going to be in harmony with one another, in harmony with God like Christ was in harmony with God the Father? I run into so, so many people, and I get tempted myself to just fight. Do you fight with one another? Have you, have you been fighting in your home this week? Have you been fighting over the internet? Have you been fighting over the phone? Do you fight with your coworkers? 
Or is there a harmony about your existence that looks like Jesus? That you could pursue a fight and probably win it. Christ could win. But he did not pursue equality with God, something to be grasped. Now think about this. The equality, theologically, the equality Christ has with God is something he already possesses. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the same in substance, equal in power and glory. They possess equality. And yet this passage, Christ is saying, but even though he possesses equality, he doesn't reach for it. He doesn't try to take hold of it, grasp it. He already possesses it. It's his. It's his nature to be equal with the Father. But he doesn't reach for it. Rather, he lives harmoniously with the Father. Because the Father has a plan for his son, Christ. And he could say, I don't like the plan. Uh, let's do it this way. He, he could have a conversation. It could be a fight. It could be, I'm, I'm important too, remember. I'm equal. He could go that route. He says, no, I don't go that route. Don't even think about going that route. Here's a principle. Every time we have the, pos uh, the possession of equality with someone else and we pursue it, it usually ends up in a lack of harmony. We're pushing ourselves up to a certain level. We're enforcing certain things and disruption occurs especially when we've been designed by God, designed by a job description, designed by a relationship to work under someone rather than try to grasp their position that we already possess. Think about it because you want to be like Jesus. And this passage wants us to think, go deeper onto these subjects of living the Christian life. Last week it was titled, Living Christianly, Are We? And Christianly being defined as those who live harmoniously, humbly, and helpfully. By the way, those of you who are artists so much more creative than me, here's, a, here's an idea for a great t-shirt, Okay. Living with attitude. The attitude of harmony, humility, and helpfulness. New cub lives with attitude. The attitude of harmony, humility, and helpfulness. Get Jesus' attitude. The attitude of harmony, humility, and helpfulness. Man, you sure got attitude. Attitude of, yes, I do. Attitude of harmony, humility, and helpfulness. We need this attitude. We need this mind that this is the way we think. This is the way we live. We live not to reach for and grasp an equality we already possess.
I don't have to reach for it to prove it. I have it by nature, granted to me by divine being, God himself. You know, obviously, you can go to husbands and wives here and think this through. But as you think it through, are husbands and wives, or men and women equals? 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, it already says, he says, we are co-heirs with Christ. That's our status. Co-heirs, we're co-equals. Equality in Christ is something we already possess. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to grasp it. It's yours. When you die and go to heaven, you have just as much place there as I do. And I as you do. We are equal in Christ. People say it's level at the foot of the cross. Yes. In Christ, it's all about Christ. It's not about us. And Christ has made us co-heirs with him. So think that through. Let's look at the attitude of harmony. Look at John chapter 10, verse 30. Start backwards and back up. Look at John 10. Here's the end of the story. Verse 30. says, I and the Father are one, okay? Equality. Jesus is speaking. He says, me and, Jesus, me and God, we're one. We're equal. Now, why is he saying it, and does he try to take hold of it? Let's back up to verse 22. Let me read the story. John 10, 22. At that time, the feast of the dedication took place at Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the colonnade of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you're the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name bear witness about me. But you don't believe because you're not among my sheep. My sheep hear my voice, I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. And no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one's able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. Jesus is being ridiculed. By uh, good good folks saying, "Are you are you the Christ?" It's getting confusing in here. We we don't really know. And Jesus said, "I already told you." It's very plain. I am. I'm not disguising anything. My sheep hear my voice. What are you deaf? Or are you not sheep? Those who know me know that I give them eternal life. And these people are thinking, uh, nobody can do that but God. Oh, well, God gives them eternal life. I and my Father are one. And, and those that I give eternal life, I hold them so that they won't perish. And people are thinking, only God can keep us eternal. Well, my Father and I are one. And so... You're held, not, yes, God, you can't be snatched out of God's hand either. You can't be snatched out of my hand. 
We're one. I hold you. He holds you. You're secure in us. God. We're one in Christ. There's a union between God the Father and God the Son. Jesus doesn't deny it. He just doesn't go to say, I want you to know I'm the head of God. No, God the Father's head of Christ. That was the plan. That Christ would come in that manner. He doesn't regard equality with God, something he grasps. He said, this is God the Father's plan. For me to present the word, the word to be heard by the sheep, the sheep to come and respond, the sheep to be given salvation, and the sheep never to perish. Father's going to hold them. I'm going to hold them. That's the way it's going to be. Um, we're working in harmony. What is the Father and the Son working in harmony to do? To save God's church, to save his people. To save sinners. That's the work. That was the plan. And you see it over and over again. Look at John 17. 17 through 23. John 17. Beginning at verse 17. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, this is Jesus obviously now speaking to God the Father. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake I consecrate myself that they also may be sanctified in truth. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you have sent me, and love them, even as you have loved me. Wow. If we get this harmony thing, this oneness thing, that if, if they get there in me, if they get there in God, if they get we are one, if, if we live in this harmony, if we're sanctified to be harmonious, and we're sanctified in truth to live this way, people will believe and come to faith in Christ. The church will be built up. We are here to build up God's church, to lead people to saving faith in Christ. Um, you don't see Jesus ever kind of trying to make an argument for his significance. God the Father has a plan. Let's just look at him, what God's doing, how God is sanctifying people through the truth, how God has brought me here, how we are becoming one in him. Um, you remember, we don't have to turn there, when uh, Jesus was praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to go to the cross, and it says he's literally sweating. There's so much stress and anxiety and pressure upon him as he's beginning to think through the weight of the sin of the world upon him and him being crucified on the cross, and he cries out, my God, my God, another way, 
another way. If, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. This is unbearably tough in this body that's been prepared for me. And of course, you, all, you already know the answer. And the answer is, he says himself, but not my will. Thine be done. Now, I contemplate that, and I, I consider that from time to time. So, two wills, not mine, but, but thine. In other words, there, there was something Christ was going through. He says, we could do this another way. Man, I would like it. but I'm not going to take hold of my equality. I'm not going to pull the God card. I'm going to be submissive to God the Father. And I'm going to die on the cross for the sins of my church. That's the kind of harmony. I want you to have that mind in you that's also in Christ Jesus. Look at Hebrews 10 verse 7. Here's the plan. Hebrews 10 verse 7. It says, Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. It goes on to say, A body you have prepared for me to be offered up once for all, but Hebrews 10 says, God the Father and God the Son got together, and God the Father's plan was that Christ would come, as it had been written that he should, that he would sacrifice himself like a lamb, that his body would bear the sin of his people. And Christ says, okay, so when he stepped on earth... He said, I've come to do your will. Not my will, but thine be done. He already had made up his mind. My entire 33 years on earth, I will not regard equality with God something I'm going to take hold of. I have come to do the will of another. The will of God the Father and that plan worked. And he's telling us in Philippians 2, I want you to have that mindset that when you wake up in the morning, when you put your foot on the, the floor, that you say, I have, I'm here today to do the will of another. God has a plan for me. My parents may have a plan for me. My spouse may have a plan for me. And I am somebody, but I will not regard my equality with others something to take hold of. I will seek to live my life harmoniously with the plan of God. And the plan of God is building up the people of God. So, how does God want me to build others up? It's not fight, 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 fight. What if we had a husband that said, you know, I'm not going to fight. 
I'm, I'm going to do the plan of God that I was called to do in my home. And I'm going to do that in, in a way that seeks to incorporate your gifts, your abilities into it as well. That that's what we're here for. That's the design. Yeah, there's, there's things that I have to do as, as a male, as a, as a head. It goes all the way back to Genesis 1, verse 27, where God says, three things I want you to do. I created you male and female, that you would glorify me. That's my R, reflect the image of God. You're made in God's image. That you would reproduce, second R, you would multiply and bring up others in the world of God, for the kingdom of God. And then third, you would, you would uh, do this in such a way that, re that reflects God's image, that continues to reproduce and rules over, third R, rule, rules over for the kingdom of God. You're ruling your home. You, you, you're ruling your kids. You're ruling in your communities. You're ruling in the nation. There's, there's ways we rule for Christ, but we don't have to rule in such a way that we regard equality with something, someone else, something we've got to take hold of. We do it with the same mind of Christ, which means the wife submits to the husband. The husband leads the wife, the parents lead the children, the children submit to the parents, they move out on their own, they start another family unit, it works and it works and it works to multiply and there's harmony. Have the same mind in you which was also in Christ. When do you see Christ fighting? When do you see Christ saying, let's, let's, let's fight this out. Let's go outside. Let's just duke it out. I mean, have you ever thought about a fight with Christ? Peter did. Peter pulled out his sword and said, hey, well, I'll show you. Show him. Christ said, put that up. Come on. Do you not realize that I have at my disposal like that legions of angels? You want to see a fight? Jesus says, you just watch me open the heavens and thousands upon thousands of angel soldiers like Gabriel come swooping down and wipe this place out. He says, while I'm on the cross, if I want to stop it, I have the authority and power to stop it. But he says to Peter, it must happen this way. Have this mind in you. That was in Christ Jesus. That God has a way for us to live with him and one another. And this way is a way of harmony. It's not trying to prove that I am somebody, I am your equal or better than your equal. And it just seems like that's what we're always doing. Fighting to be somebody when God's already made us somebody in Him. We're co heirs with Christ. That's an equality the world does not have. 
But we don't have to take hold of it. It's something we possess. You don't earn it. You don't have to maintain it. God's going to do it for us. I hope we can see that more and more. When there's disharmony in our homes, it comes into the church. It goes into the workplace. It goes into the community. It goes into our government. It goes into our nation. It goes into the world. And there's wars, and there's wars, and there's wars. And God says, one of the things people are going to see about the church is harmony. They have this mindset that's just like Christ. They don't have to fight to build the church. They can love and care for one another, and the church gets built up. And God blesses that design over and over and over. And I just... I want somehow for us to get back to see living Christianly doesn't make us weak. It makes us stronger with the strength of the Holy Spirit and Christ. We can look at somebody who's ready to fight and say, I don't need to fight you. Well, I'm going to put you in your place. No, I'm already in my place. I'm already a co-heir with Christ. Beat that. You can't. I don't have to maintain it. I didn't have to earn it. I have a status that's above this world. I already have a seat in heavenly places. I'm already glorified in Christ. I don't need to fight you. What I want to do is learn how to work with you. And encourage you and love you and build you up. And then people will say, well, then you must be a Christian. Because that sounds a lot like Christ. And Christ says when that happens, people will come to know him. Because they'll see him. And they'll see him through us. Um, so many ways we're fighting. I'm trying to... Think how much more to illustration. Uh, for my undergraduate degree, I went to Covenant College. Hey, by, by the way, they sent me a, a mug. Look, pretty good. Covenant College. Very conservative, reformed school. First time I'd gone to a private institution. First time I'd been to anything like that that's reformed and conservative. From there, I went to Reformed Theological Seminary. Again, Reformed, conservative, biblical school. For my doctorate, I went to Fuller Seminary, which was at the time, I think it might still be, the second largest seminary in the world. Represented by 85 different countries, and I think over a thousand denominations. So imagine sitting in a class where everyone's a different denomination. Everyone's from a different country. And you immediately say, well, I'm not like him or her or him or her or him or him. And one of the things I found through that experience was to pray, John 17, Lord, sanctify us in truth. 
It's the truth that's going to bring us together. We're not like one another. And the truth I found over and over and over again that brought us unity was the truth of sharing the good news of Christ with lost people. That was something we always agreed on. Do sinners need Christ? Yes. Can we agree sinners need Christ? Yes. Can we have this mindset in us that we need to be used of God to reach lost people for Christ, or at least to build up Christ and His church? His church. Yes. Do you want to do it in your country? Yes. Do you want to do it in your denomination? Yes. Well, I want to do it where I'm at too. So we are one, and we begin to work on that. And the other truths that we hold, they begin to sanctify us and draw us to one another. But it takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of toleration, and it takes a lot of love. We're not immediately on the same page, except on certain truths that unify and make us one. And then we grow to become more and more and more and more like Christ. Different approach than saying, let's fight. I don't like you. I don't like the way you look. I don't like the way you smell. I don't like the way you think. You know, whatever. Let's just fight. No. Why not? not why, why would we want to fight? You know, I, I used to sit down with people at Fuller. I went out to lunch with somebody new every, week, every day while I was there basically, and said, tell me where you're from, what your position is. And the guy in front of me said, well, I'm from this country, I'm an Anglican, I'm a priest. I said, oh, stop right there. That's, you're already way beyond me. This is what my stereotype of you is. Am I wrong? And he would say, yep, you're wrong, that's not who I am. I said, what's your stereotype of me? He would admit, well, you're judgmental, you're condemning, you're critiquing, and it starts going on. I said, wait a minute, you got me wrong too. Where can we get each other right? Where can we start to be one in Christ? Well, why don't we start with Christ? What's your view of the person and work of Christ? And what's my view of the person and work of Christ? Instead of creating all these barriers to fight one another, why don't we come back to have the same mind Christ had and not try to regard it that I'm better than you because of where I come from, because of what I know? Why don't we regard one another as the equals we are in Christ and begin to love and to begin to cooperate? And to grow the body of Christ. Some of you here this morning are non-believers. And I sadly have to say, you've probably come in here. You've probably gone into some of our homes. And you've seen us fighting. So I I thought you were Christians. I thought Christians were like Christ. As Christians, we need to repent. We need to let you know that is not how we want to live. We don't want to live our lives constantly trying to prove our greatness. Forgive us for presenting 
our ugliness instead of presenting the beauty and glory of Christ. We need to turn from our sin and show you that we're one and there's harmony in Christ. There's a lot of harmony here too. I'm by no means saying that we're on the the other end of the spectrum. There's a beautiful harmony at New Covenant Church and in our homes and some homes are so sweet and you've not heard a disparaging word. You know, people are there building each other up week after week after week. Um, there's both. I just, I just want us to deal with it rightly. And when the non-Christian says, you hypocrites, there's times when we say, yeah, you're right, we are, and that's sin, and I, can I just stop right here and repent? Because that's not who I want to be, and I'm sorry that I presented that picture to you. I don't want to fight you. I want to show you the goodness and the love of Christ. And I want to do it in a way that's not at war with you. Um, if you see us fighting, to me all that proves is that we need a Savior just as much as you do. We all need Jesus and we all need to have within ourselves the same attitude that was in him. Not regarding the equal, equal status we have as co-heirs with Christ. Something we need to get a hold of. But what we need to get a hold of is being empty of self. Taking the form of a servant. And serving and helping one another. Our focus should not be us, it should be Jesus. Like Jesus, like Jesus, like Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, there's a lot of us that have had times in our lives where we wanted another way. We don't want to bow down. We don't want to submit. We don't want somebody else's plan. We wanted another way. We wanted our way. And we do everything in our power to get it our way. Thank you for Christ who did not regard another way. His path, his choice. But he humbled himself and submitted to death on a cross for us. Let us go worshiping Him, adoring Him, and seeking with every fiber of our being to be like Him. That the world may see Jesus more and more through us. May we have attitude, the attitude of Christ. May it start with a harmony with you and your plan for each of us where we are. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.